Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Thanks again, and thanks, choir. Sure appreciate traveling with this team week in and week out. Uh, Just before we go into God's Word, we're going to be in, by the way, Mark chapter 5. I want to just let you know that we have a program called Sponsor a Life, something akin to what World Vision and Compassion does. For $35 a month, you can assist us in providing discipleship care for the men and women who are with us. And you can do that by connecting personally with one of our residents. And by that, I mean you can have and would get, if you sign up, their bio. You get a little picture of them. In fact, this is Tara, one of the gals that sang today. And you'll get an opportunity to receive reports from them and exchange letters of encouragement if you so care. Uh, we just encourage you to uh, just, just to consider that. We've got a booth in the back. Please pick up literature. You never know who you might run into that needs the kind of help that we have to offer. So we want to fortify you and arm you with the tools that you can give to those that are out there that may need to, to get away for a season in their life and um, experience the love of God in an intense way. So please stop by our booth. Uh, Mark chapter 5. I'm sure all of you know what a, a branding slogan is, right? It's a small set of words or a short phrase that businesses use to make its company and its product uh, stand out for the consumer. It's, it's a way for a company to communicate its message, to distill it in just a, a few short words, It's a company's way of setting itself apart and helping the company identify who it is and what they offer. You know, for instance, Nationwide is on your side. Red Bull gives you wings. I got a little quiz for you. You're in good hands with? They plump when you cook them. Good to the last drop. I know millennials won't even know that. That's for us old timers, okay? Squeezably soft. Just do it. No, that's my mother, okay? I'm loving it. Not for long, you won't. Lord, help them, please. The happiest place on earth. Hey, she needs to be a deaconess or something, man. If she's not, whoever that lady is. Leave the driving to us. Greyhound. Play, laugh, grow. Oh, not real effective. Fisher Price. The best a man can get. You got it. Well, in today's passage, we're going to be informed about what Christianity's branding slogan is the message of every believer if we have a if if we as christians have a message which we do it can be reduced in its purest form to one word the title of my message is this mission message mercy mark chapter 5 beginning at verse 1 they went across the lake to the region of the gerasenes when jesus got out of the boat a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him 
This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with the stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his feet in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Swear to me that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, Send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. And he gave them permission. And the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. Heavenly Father, in these final moments of our worship, I pray that your word would spread rapidly. Please, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. So our man here, this demon-possessed man, experiences God Almighty in human form, Jesus. He has this encounter, and something incredible happens. He's transformed. He's changed. Whereupon immediately he begs Jesus, man, can I come with you? And what does Jesus say? No, go back to your family. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you. How he has had mercy on you. That word mercy means kindness, goodwill, compassion, help. Go tell your folks, your people, how the Lord has helped you. How he's been compassionate towards you. How he's given you mercy. What had Jesus done for the man? What kind of mercy had Jesus delivered? I want you to see two things. If I can have my examples come up here. Number one... Jesus freed the man of his demons, right? He took something away from this man. 
And on the flip side, he dressed him. We read in this account that the man was clothed. We know beforehand from another gospel account, he was naked, running around in his birthday suit. Where did he get the clothes? I don't think he had a duffel bag with him. I think the clothes came from Jesus. Jesus gave him something. Notice again, Jesus took something away from him. He took the devils away from him. And on the flip side, he did what? He gave him something. He imparted something to him. He clothed him. Well, you know, the salvation Jesus offers us, the mercy that he bestows upon us, that he's willing for us to receive, has two components, two parts to it. On the one hand, he he removes our sins. And on the other hand, he does what? He imparts to us his righteousness. Now, my man here, this is, this is a great man, Thomas. He represents Jesus for us. That's not hard for you to do, right? No. No, Jesus don't. is alive in him. And our man Christian here, he represents all of us sinners. He is clothed with this nasty piece of garment. This garment represents sin and transgression. So this man who represents us as a sinner, he comes to Jesus and he begs Jesus for for help, for aid, for assistance. He humbles himself. And what does Jesus do? What kind of mercy does Jesus give? Please, show us what Jesus does. The first thing he does is he removes the stain of his sin. He takes that from him. That's what Jesus did at the cross, did he not? He took our sins in his body. He took the rap for us. He took the beatings for us. Our sins were transferred to him. He became sin who knew no sin. That's the first act. And then what happened? He clothed us. By the way, you were to put that on, by the way. Because that's what Jesus did. He took our sins upon himself. And what else did Jesus do? He clothed us in his... Boy, it's hard to get that right. There it goes. See, it's nasty, okay? It's nasty. And he clothes us in his righteousness. Thank you, gentlemen. Think about it. Jesus was like this demon-possessed man. Separated, cut off, naked, forsaken, ostracized. Jesus took our place. He was the one, in fact, who lived amongst the tombs, right? The tomb itself. Jesus. He bore our sin as an act of mercy. But it doesn't end there. He clothes us with his righteousness. That's the gospel, friends. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's the mercy. Go back to your people and tell them what the Lord has done, the good things he has done, and how he has had mercy on you.
That's our brand slogan, friends. Mercy. That's the essence of our message. The amnesty God offers to rebels who have committed treason against him. The price has been paid. Our debt has been erased. Our dishonor pardoned. It is what? It's finished. God has done everything necessary for sinners like you and me to have a relationship with him, to be brought into his family, to be now joint heirs with his son, Jesus Christ. That's mercy. That's mercy. Missions is about proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. Missions is about proclaiming mercy. So what's the takeaway? Those of us who have received mercy, I pray that there's that itch in you, that desire, that hunger to spread that mercy to others, to communicate the goodness of God to others. So how do we do that? Let me give you one practical way. C.J. Mahaney, he's an author that I read or have read. And he says that when he's asked a common question that most of us are asked several times in a week, so how you doing? His response is, better than I deserve. And he said that response has opened up doors of evangelism for him in the strangest of places, including Starbucks. One day the clerk asked him, so how you doing? Better than I deserve. And this clerk didn't really uh, appreciate this man's self-assessment. What are you talking about? You're a good man. You're a preacher. If you only knew. Why, you've never killed anybody. If you only knew. I've killed many people. With my words, my attitudes. Just in my thoughts. But God has been merciful to me. He's provided a way for me to be forgiven and spared the judgment that I deserve. Oh, I'm doing much better than I deserve. I have been showered with mercy. I conclude with a couple of thoughts. Many of you, you're no stranger to mercy. God God accosted you decades ago. My prayer for you and me, I'm one of those he accosted over 40 years ago, is that the gospel never grow old. That the old, old story of Jesus and his love would never lose its edge in our life. If you're a Christian, remind yourself over and over again of the the Titanic that you were once upon. The wrath that was over you. The destruction that was impending. Never forget this. One scholar at Gordon-Conwell, he says, the shallowness of many people who are saved is due to the fact that they never realized how lost they really were. Never get over that. Once we were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, Foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope, without God. We were dead in our transgressions and sins, following the ways of the 
world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, gratifying the desires of our sinful nature. But, don't you love that glorious but? It's in Ephesians chapter 2. But because of his great love for us, God who was rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even while we were dead in sin. God took that record of sin that was against us, that made us a debtor to wrath. And instead of holding them up in front of our face and using them as a warrant to send us to hell, he put it in the palm of his son's hand and drove a spike through it at the cross. He canceled the record of our sin, our debt. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The most hallelujah, hallelujah. Never get over this mercy that you and I have been showered. The most famous song recorded in American history. What do you suppose it is? Amazing Grace. Written by a man we know as John Newton. Before his conversion at the age of 23, a vile, profane, vulgar, blaspheming slave trader. And then God knocked him upside. God accosted him. And for the next 42 years, he became a statesman in England. A statesman in the church. A gospel-driven, gospel-centered preacher. He never got over grace. Just before he died, two years in fact, before he died at the age of 82, he was asked, Brother Newton, sum it up. What stands out to you? And this is what he said. I am a great sinner. And he is a great savior. Amazing grace. Father, thank you. Thank you for your great grace and the move of the Spirit that you've put in this sanctuary this morning. We need your grace, Lord. We need your grace. We need your mercy, God. And we thank you, Lord, that you poured out the mercy of the cross of Jesus Christ. Lord, that he died for us, that he gave his life for us. And we thank you for it, Lord. And if there's any in this sanctuary right now that need to receive that grace, even for the very first time, God, I pray that they'd open their heart right now to receive receive it, Lord. God, you're in the transformation business. You, Lord, you are in the recovery business, and we all need to be recovered. You, we all need to be saved from the path of destruction, whether we're rich, whether we're full of all kinds of materialistic things, whether we're addicted to uh, those material things, or we're addicted to the things that destroy our body, whatever. God, we need your recovery, and we pray right now that the amazing grace of Jesus Christ would pour into any and all who need that this morning. And thank you for that, God, in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. 